0: to be preaching this way we're kind of entering a season of generosity and kind of entering a season in our church and really just in your normal calendar when you know money's on everybody's mind we're going back to school everybody are you how many parents are ready for your kids to go back to school let me see that good how many of you are not ready for your kids to go back to you don't have young kids if you're not ready uh, for your kids to go back to school so we're kind of entering that season and then right when we get back to school i I feel like we go right into holiday you know we got halloween and then thanksgiving and christmas and uh, the year is quickly, it feels like the last half of the year always goes faster. Is that true for anybody else besides me? It just goes faster. And so we thought there's just no better time to sort of talk about financial hope and financial freedom than uh, this season right Right as we go into there. Has anybody ever given you bad directions in your life? Anybody... Anybody bad at receiving directions? Like all the men drivers in the room, I know that you are. You were getting bad directions, and they're like, "Hey, you need to go down here, and you turn left. And when you see the dog on the side of the road, and he's at the firehouse, you turn right right there. And then there's a big tree with a limb that's kind of hanging down right there, and you go straight through that. And then, you, and then you turn. When I when I first moved to Texas, we moved to Texas about seven years ago. We moved to Austin first, and uh, in Austin, every street and every even every highway has two. It has two names. So like you don't, like when somebody would say you need to go take this road and then I would look for the the name like the sign that said Mopac well there's no street in Austin called Mopac and there's no sign anywhere called Mopac it's called Loop 1 and there's no reason why they call it Mopac except it's there's just stupid and so I I would get so Loss, Just get the worst directions that I've ever, I'm, I'm bad at directions anyway, Brandy always handles that. A lot of times we just get bad directions in other parts of our lives, and i ever given you bad advice, like a bad investment, like, hey dude, get in on this, this is going to be great, and you get in on it, and like you lose your $2,000, anybody, you know what I'm trying to say, you lose, you lose your money. If you're selling multi-level, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about all those other people that, that do that, but like on Facebook and that kind of thing. Uh, our our culture kind of gives bad directions too you know it gives us kind of the, this is the way to go and if you're not careful you know we really can't get especially money directions from our culture because it's just it it has this incorrect approach to life and to money and to handling all of that and so god challenges us to sort of challenge all of that all the assumptions of that all the directions that we get and that's kind of where we're doing in this Definitely in our finances, I think God's way is just different than the way the rest of the world would give you directions. Here's kind of the passage that we're using. It's found in Haggai, the first chapter. The fifth verse says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. So this is God talking, not me. This isn't our church or anything. This is what God says about our culture and getting directions. It says, give careful thought to your ways because you've planted much and you've harvested little and you eat and you never seem to have enough. and You drink, you can't ever seem to get full you put on clothes and they're not warm and it feels like when I when I earn wages that I put my money in my pocket or I put it in a purse and there's a there's a hole in it. It just feels like I can't ever get ahead. I told you last week I think this is some of our life verse. You know what I mean? Like you found your life verse. Like this is exactly where I live. And so this is what God says. It says give there give careful thought to your ways. In other words, there's another way to go and I want you to think about another direction. And so I want you to sort of stop what you're doing and what you think about money and how you think about possessions and what you have and how you steward what you have and start thinking about something. So last week, we sort of set that up and said, the first thing we got to do is we got to look beyond the numbers. You got to take care of the numbers. You got to, you know, get in a group to help you get in a class to help you this fall. I want you to get in a group that helps you. But but you got to look beyond the numbers, like beyond just what you make and where you invest and in, how you save and all that. And so we said we're going to look beyond the numbers. And here's the thing that we said. We said that calling always will trump compensation, that if you'll chase what God called you to do instead of where the next paycheck is or if this thing pays me more money but I'm not called to do it, if your calling always trumps your compensation. We said that contentment always trumps consumerism. In other words, practicing the art of contentment, just realizing that I have got enough and I don't need any. If God never does anything else for me, never gives me anything else or blesses me with anything else that I'm blessed, I don't have to have anymore. We said that I'm going to be God-dependent versus independent. It doesn't matter how much I've saved or how much is in the bank or uh, you know how much invested I have. I'm not going to trust in any of that stuff. I'm not going to be independent. I'm going to be God-dependent. And then we said, really, the, the crux of the whole matter is that God owns everything, and I'm just his steward. So we said stewardship sort of trumps ownership. I don't have to own, a matter of fact, I don't own anything that I have. God owns all of this, and I'm just stewarding it well. I'm just managing for him. And then the last thing that we said last week is kind of the first thing we're going to pick up on today, and that's this, generosity is better than misery. Now, anybody would say that I don't want to be miserable but generosity always trumps misery, and that's kind of where we're going to jump in on today. I want to talk about generosity for a little bit. Specifically, I want to talk about intentional generosity, being intentional about how generous you are. Now, listen, I want everybody in the room to take a deep breath. Come on, breathe in through your nose and breathe out. Some of you didn't brush your teeth. Breathe out. I want everybody to relax. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about giving. And I don't want you I don't want you to get strange and I don't want listen, I, we don't believe in high pressure tactics here about anything. There are some people who, you know, have tried our church out and they don't like it just simply because we're not high pressure about a lot of stuff. We believe in the journey. We think God is much more interested in your direction than he is your perfection. Amen everybody. And so I, I want you going the right direction today. So I just want you to take a deep breath talking about money, talking about being generous. Because here's the truth of the matter. Would you write this down? God doesn't want something from you. When you talk about money, a lot of people think, well, the church just wants my money. God does not want something from you. He wants something for you, everybody. Listen, let me, let, look in my eyes and let me give you a, a revelation in case you don't know this. God doesn't need your money to accomplish His perfect plan in the world. God doesn't need anything from you and I. Anything. He's God. He has everything. He is our source. He doesn't need us. He doesn't want something from us. However... I need to be able to be generous. I need to get in on God's blessing. That's what He has for me. Amen, everybody. So God doesn't want something from you. I want you to look at this whole message series, especially today. I want you to look at this this message and go, look. It's not about getting something from me. It's about what God wants for me in my life. And so last week we looked at a passage where Paul has written to a pastor named Timothy, and I told you there's certain uh, you know things that are written that are called pastoral epistles. It's written actually to the pastor, of the church, and. Timothy's one of those books, First and Second Timothy, and so here's what he says. Paul tells Pastor Timothy, command those who are, I want you to underline this in your notes, rich in this present world. Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, I know what you're thinking. As soon as you read that, you're thinking, oh, he's not talking about me. I ain't got no money. I ain't rich. He ain't talking about me. He's talking about somebody else. I mean, I know a rich person, but I ain't, I, you know what I mean, I ain't rich. And y'all looking around going, I think he's talking about them. Like, I, th- I think I've. I saw them drive up. I know what they're driving. I think he's talking about them. Listen to me. The Bible did not give sort of this clarity that goes, okay, this is the the income level that I think. And the truth of the matter is that this verse applies to everybody here. I know that you think it applies to everybody else, but it applies to you. Everybody say me. Come on, everybody say me. It applies to you. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. Let me tell you why I think. I know the reason why you think you get to disqualify yourself is because you don't feel rich, everybody. You know what I'm saying? I don't feel rich when I go to H-E-B. Come on, somebody. I don't feel rich when I walk through Lock and Terra and I'm looking around at everything. I don't feel rich. And listen, the truth is, I don't feel rich either. and We don't feel rich. So let me sort of get, Let me give you an example of why I know this is true, why I know the Bible is talking to you. Because if your combined income, listen, everybody in your household, Everybody in your house, mom, dad, kids, I know, you get your kids to work, your grandparents, social security check, everybody that comes in. Come on, alimony, everything that comes in, baby, daddy, money, whoever you get it from. If your combined income is $48,000 or more, you are in the top 1% of the wealthiest people on planet Earth. If your combined income is $48,000 per household or more you're in the top not 25% cuz that's where you feel like you're like I think I'm better than some third world countries but I don't you know what I'm saying I'm not like I ain't balling. you know what I mean I'm just I think I mean we're eating this is like beans and rice we not we not if you make 48,000 or more in the top 1% of wage earners on the entire Planet. Here's the problem: we don't feel like we're in the top one percent. Everybody, you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all protested like against the one percent. You know what I'm saying? You're like all those rich people. They, that's you, everybody. That's you. That's me. That's that's where we live, and and it's it's very important that you realize this. It's very important that before you understand the God's way of handling money, you have to know this: that you and I are blessed. You got to know that you're rich. You got to know that according to the Bible. According to the Bible, you have everything that you have. And when you're rich, you act differently. You complain differently. Let me tell you about rich people problems. Let me tell you how I know that you're rich. You know that you're rich when you... This sounds like a Jeff Foxworthy joke. You know that you're rich, listen, when... When you walk into your closet and turn around in circles, looking at all the clothes, talking about what you ain't got to wear... That, that, that's how you, that's how you know you, you know that you're rich when you literally when you're like me and you complain and you yell at the cable guy because you, your, your wireless internet was down for 30 minutes during the day and you paid $300 a month for internet and you missed 30 minutes of it. you connected to the internet wirelessly everybody. And it was and, and I'm complaining. And I, I this is a terrible, this is awful to me. It, you complain, this is I did this, so help me, God, I did this. The house we had in Austin, I did this. When you have two cars and they, they tell you that you have a two car garage, but it ain't big enough for two cars. You can't fit two cars in there, and you yell at people talking about this ain't no two car garage. It's got gotta be bigger than this. I can't fit both of my cars in here. Those are rich people problems, everybody. <laughs> You know, you know that you know that it's rich people problems when you, you're at Best Buy and you, and you can't figure out. You ask if they deliver because you don't know how to get that sixty inch television in your Mazda Miata. Come on, everybody, you you don't know how to get it home. That's rich people problem. You got it. Y'all don't drive them, but don't drive a Mazda Miata. Whatever whatever it is that you drive. That, those are rich people problems. And I know you don't feel rich. You think, no, he's talking about somebody else. But I'm telling you, if you, th- this, is the way, this is where most Americans live. This is where most people in this room live. Some of you live far beyond that way. The problem is we don't feel that way. Because if we felt that way, we would act differently. Here's what Paul says. Listen, here's what Paul says about being rich. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Here's what he says. You know the generous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes. For your sakes, he became poor. So that, listen... By his poverty, listen close, he did not give an exclusion about how much you make or where you work or whether you went to college. He just said, everybody who has been saved by Jesus Christ, he could make you rich. So you're just going to have to get used to the fact that you're rich, everybody. You're just going to have to get close to it. Here's what I want you to write down. Write this sentence down. God blesses me with more than I need so that I can be a blessing. God blesses me with more than I need so that I can be a blessing. That's the reason God gives you more than you need, everybody. The reason God gives you more than you need for, for, for the basic stuff that you need is not so that you, you can just hang on to it. It's not so I can change. He gives me more than I need, not more than I want, because if you, if you always go on what you want, there's never going to be enough. Amen, everybody? It's just more than I need so that I can be a blessing so that I can be Brandy and I have tried to live this way since, since we've been married. We try very hard to be a blessing and to always have been willing to bless others. And, and then, and then when, when there's excess, when there's extra, when it's more than I need, we're blessing God's house. And we're always trying to show God that he could trust us. Let me tell you why. You heard this a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Chris Hodges alluded to this thing. It's because there's a biblical principle that says you, God cannot trust you with more until you're faithful with what you have. There's a biblical principle that he said, because you have been faithful in little things, I can now make you ruler over much. Or since you've been faithful in little, I can make you ruler over much. In other words, if you don't wash that Ford you got, you will not wash the Mercedes you're praying for. Say amen to that, everybody. You just won't do it. Because you got to be faithful of what I got. So, God, you can't trust me with a raise when I'm not honoring God with the money you have given me. Everybody shout amen to that. The problem is this, that Americans are not very good at being rich. The, 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 it's, the fact is we are, we're just not very good at, at what we do when I have excess. I mean, here's it's hard for people to sort of look at, at your life when you get more and go, man, I've noticed that you got a raise, but you're still living beneath your means and everything seems to be okay and you've created margin. Actually, here's what studies say. The more that Americans make, the less they give away. Most studies say that the more Americans make, the less they give away. In other words, the percentage of giving goes down, the more your income goes up. It's amazing to think this, but this is very true. I told you this last week that people who have much less than you and I give a higher percentage of their income because Americans are just not good at this. The more that we make, the less we tend to give away. Let me tell you, this is why there's a verse because God knows you and I and everything that is wrong in our lives, we can find an answer for in this book. And I think that's what God would tell us. And here's what he tells Timothy. 1 Timothy 6 in verse 17, he says, command those who are rich. Everybody say, that's me. Come on, there's a few of you who don't still, you still don't believe it. Everybody say, that's me. Command those who are rich. This is my job. This is the reason for this series. Command those who are rich in this present world. A couple of things. Here's the first one. To do good, but to be rich the right way. He didn't say there's anything wrong with you being rich. He said, I want you to be rich the right way. Be rich in good deeds. And be generous and be willing to share. He said, command those. I, I, I love the, the way he says that. He, he doesn't say, you don't, you don't be rich. Tell them to give everything they got. He said, no, no, no. I want you to be rich. Command those who are rich. He didn't say there's anything wrong with that. He just said, I want you to be rich the right way. I want you to learn how to handle money the right way. This is why we do messages like this. This is why we do this in this season. This is why we're going to talk about it. This is why... but Because we're going to have opportunities that, that arise that are different than other times of the year. And I just... This is why I think this is the right time. Listen, God does not want you to feel guilty for what you have for being blessed there's a there's a whole doctrine that that says that god loves you more when you're suffering and that you you know you're supposed to give everything away and there's something holy about suffering i don't think that's true i don't think there's anything holy about suffering i really don't i think that god's present with you When you suffer, but I don't think that you got to give everything away and just live on nothing, you know, and live in live in a monastery and have no personal or material possessions. I don't think that's what the Bible would say. No, no, no. I just says, I just think God tells Paul, and Paul writes to Timothy. He says, I just want you to learn how to do this the right way. I want you to be able to bless what you have. I don't mind you having stuff. Would you write this down? God doesn't mind when you have stuff. He just minds when stuff has you. God doesn't mind when you have stuff. Jesus minds when stuff has you. God doesn't want you to be guilty. He wants you to be responsible. Would you write that down? That's, that, 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 that's so life-changing for some people in the room who, who have a couple of things. You felt guilty about the blessings God has given you. That's not. You don't have to feel guilty of that. God doesn't mind when you have stuff. But then there's others of us who sort of, you know, uh, mishandled that and sort of how we've looked at that. We've become independent. Instead of God-dependent, we've decided this is the stuff that gives me security and and this is when stuff has you. Listen, God doesn't want you to feel guilty about your stuff. He just wants you to be responsible for your stuff. So why did God make you rich? Why did God make us rich? Why has God blessed us? This is the question you got to ask yourself. Like when you look around at your life and you realize, man, I really am blessed. we got two cars. They're not the cars that I wish I had. I wish, I wish, if I could have any car in the world, I'd get a short wheelbase Escalade, that that pearl white one. You know what I'm talking about? And I would jack that junk up. That's what I'd do. I would. I, that's what y'all see me rolling deep. I don't care if I win the lottery. That's what I'm gonna be. That's what I'm. I don't want a Ferrari. I don't want none of that. I don't want a short wheelbase Escalade. That's what, and none of y'all can ride in it. God doesn't mind when you have stuff. I I got, I got stuff. I I got God. You've blessed me. It's not the house I want, but I got a house. God, not the clothes I want. Not, we don't eat at the restaurants we want to. We eat Water Burger more than we eat Ruth's Chris. Amen, everybody. Still beef, kinda, you know. But I'm rich. So so now now God, what do you want me to do with what I've got? And this is the question for this week. God, what do you want me to do with what I've got? In light of the fact that you've blessed me. Now, how, how can I learn how to be generous at every occasion? How can I learn how to give more? How can I learn how to trust God with my excess, with what I have extra? Because truthfully, here's the truth of the matter. If you're like me, every time my income increases, so does my lifestyle. Amen, everybody? Rarely, you, you ever sat back to, with your wife? How many of you have been married uh, 10 years or longer? Would you raise your hand you've been married 10 years or longer? You ever sat back with your wife and talked about the money that you made when you first got married? And ask each other, how did we, how were we not homeless? Like, how did, Brandy and I sometimes, we married 17 years. And, and some of you have married a whole lot longer than that. And we sometimes we look at each other and think, you remember that first ministry job we took? You remember how much we made? How did we eat? Like, honestly. Because you, look, your boy's not missing meals. Look at me. How did, we, how did we make it off that? Here's what we do, though. Every time we get an increase, every time our income goes up, we tend to, our lifestyle tends to go that way. And so that's what happens. I get a raise, and I think, okay, now we can get a house cleaner. Amen to everybody. Now we, now we got a raise, and so now, now we're going to get our tax refund. Now we can go on that trip. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm waiting on my taxes to come in. Y'all have never said that. Are you going to be able to go? I don't know. Let me, let me get my tax in. Let me, get my ta- let me get my taxes done. Let me get that check, and I'll let you know. I'm going to get this bonus. Now that I got this bonus from work, I'm not looking at how I can be generous with it. I'm looking at a new TV, everybody, because every time my income goes up, whatever it tends to be, we just tend to think that when God blesses us with more, listen close, we tend to believe that that's for me. God, you've given me more, so I guess this is for me to have more. What if God blesses you more so that you can learn how to give more? What if God's given you excess so that you can learn how to be generous with everything that you have? If you're rich in this present world, which I think you and I are, how can I be rich God's way? How can I do it? Here's what I want you to know. I think the answer is in the Bible because I think every answer is there. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, remember this. Listen close. This is the principle of how you handle excess, right? This is generosity. This is intentional generosity 101 according to your Bible. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. In other words, however it is that I sow is how it is that I reap. A lot of people wish it was opposite. We think as long as I'm sowing something, then God owes me a whole lot back. That's not the biblical principle. The biblical principle is however it is that I put seed in the ground is how the harvest comes up, everybody. You can't put one seed in and expect two trees to come up. If I sow sparingly, I reap sparingly. But if I'm generous, then I reap generously. Each of you should give, listen, what you have decided in your heart to give. That's intentional. That's not a fear tactic. That, that's not me trying to give you, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Because if you'll do that, then this won't last long. But God loves it when you cheerfully decide, "I'm going to sow into this." Listen, you should not be pressured to give. It's why we don't have high pressure offerings here. It's why we, God willing, we will never stand. I'll never stand in front of this church and ask you for a need or just high pressure. I'm just not going to do that. This is not the way I think you ought to give. I think people ought to give out of the abundance of God's blessing in their life. And now, this is what I have decided to give. I'm not going to be coerced or begged or manipulated. Because are there times you should give spontaneously? You bet there are. Are there times that God's Spirit will talk to you to give more than you normally would have? Absolutely. I want you to follow the Holy Spirit's leading in that way. But I want you, listen close, write this down. I must not just lean on spontaneous giving when I feel like, oh man, I got... I got $5. Let me put that in. No, no, no. I must become, write this down, an intentional giver. I got to just be intentional. The Bible says you should give whatever you've decided in your heart to give. That's an intentional giver. It's not an after the fact giver. Listen close. It's not whatever's left over if I have some excess after I take care of everything else. No, no, no. The key is to be prayerful and intentional about what we give. God, what would you want me to give? Because the truth is, we are intentional consumers, everybody. We're intentional consumers. When we find something we want, you know what you do? It's on, everybody. When, when, you, when you, if you, you literally make plans. I know people make plans this way. Okay, if I don't eat for a month then I can get the new iPhone 7. You know what I'm saying? And, and really, I don't need food for a month. I mean, water is fine. I, got some, I, I, don't need, I don't need any food. If I borrow this money from my grandmama, and then I got the down payment, and then, and then if I get this raise, and then if we get the tax refund, and if they give us the low interest rate that I saw on TV, and they'll negotiate with us, and I stand and hold my foot just like this, then maybe we can get the new house. You know why? Because we're intentional consumers. If we want it, we're going to get it, everybody. What if, the, what if the same thing was true about the way you give? What if I look for ways to be intentional about I want to be generous with God's house and in light of that, I'm going to scheme every way I can to give. I'm going to look for every possible avenue I can to be generous, everybody. Hey, I I, I want to be able to look at my wife or my kids and say, you know what? We didn't buy that thing so that we could do this thing and be generous in this area. I want to raise kids that, that have parents that go, hey, we sacrificed this thing. Not so you'll look at, I just want you to know what we were able to do and be generous of this because this is what the Bible, this is why I'm training you on what the Bible says. Listen close. Because when I tell you what the Bible says, now I'm going to get out of the way and I'm not going to talk to you about it anymore. I'm just going to let God do what he does and I'm going to let you do what he tells you to do. That's what we tell you all the time. My job is not to tell you what to do. Listen close. And some of you have sort of misinterpreted money in church because of what you've heard in ministry, or you felt like you heard, or, or maybe just you saw it mishandled a different way. My job is to not to tell you what to do. My job is to tell you what this book tells you to do, and then get out of the way and let you do this. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Look at my eyeballs. I am not Him, and I don't want to be Him but you have the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to let Him talk to you. You okay with that, everybody? Say amen to that. I, my job is just to tell you some opportunities. My job is to tell you, here's what the Bible says, and then let the Holy Spirit tell you, and then when they arise, listen close. This is how we handle money. If you've ever wondered, some of you here for the first time, you're thinking, man, that you're telling us all the things. We're, we're very upfront about this. This is the way we share vision here, is I'm, just, I'm going to tell you what God says about being generous, and then when the opportunities arise for City Hills, I'm going to share those opportunities with you. And then here's what we say. We move, our church moves at the pace of your generosity. So however fast or slow our church moves forward, it's because of, it's because of you obeying God and, and, and obeying His Word. So let me give you some thoughts about intentional giving, some ways. Here's three easy ways I think that, that I think you and I need to become intentional givers. Here's the first one. Write this down, and that is in the tithe in tithing. Now I want to I want to create some clarity around this ambiguous subject because there's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of misconceptions. People who are new to church, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of you here who maybe have never even heard that or really fully understood. As a matter of fact, I always love you know people that didn't grow up in church because they don't know tithe is spelled this way and they call it ties like the thing you wear around your neck. You know what I'm saying? Like I got to pay my ties, pastor. I, I got to pay my. You don't pay me in ties. You know what I'm trying to say? Like we don't don't put your necktie in the offering plate. It's our tithe. And so let me sort of give you, a, let me demystify tithing for you. Here's the first time it shows up in the Bible. Moses says this in Leviticus. So Leviticus 27 says, a tithe from the land. Listen, a tithe from the land. Leviticus 27, couple back. There we go. A tithe from the, everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. In other words, however it is that you have increase. Listen close. This is the big part of tithing. It belongs to the Lord. A tithe of everything that you have, a tithe of everything that I have, belongs to God, and it's holy... To the Lord. Now, this is this is a remarkable the tithing, is, it comes from a Hebrew word that literally means a tenth. It just means a tenth part. And God says this I'm going to pour out blessings on you, on your land, in your grain, in your fruit from your trees, on your job, everything that you have. I'm going to bless you with that. But and I own all of that stuff. But listen close, I own all that you have, but I'm reserving the first ten, the first tenth of it. It belongs to me. And it's not just belongs to me. It's interesting how Moses says it's not just belongs to me. The Bible says it is holy to God. In other words, it's separated. It's set aside for God and for his use. So if you're a technical person like like I happen to be, I don't think my tithe is actually mine and I even give it back to God. I think it's God's anyway. In other words, when I hold tithing in, in my hand, I'm holding God's money, everybody. It belongs to him. It's holy to God. It's a reason why I go back to God. Listen, if I, you ever had somebody that had something that was yours and you know it's yours and you kept seeing them with it and you're thinking, at some point they're going to give it back to me. I don't know when. Like your sister bars something out of your closet and you see her wear it and you're like, I, I told her she could wear it that one time, but it's been a month, okay? I'm going to need that back. I'm going to need that back from you. And you think, surely they're going to give it back. Surely this is what... Listen, it, because it belongs to me. The Bible said that tithing belongs to God and it's holy to God. So he's given us everything that we have and we're supposed to be steward. And then we reserve the first 10% and we bring a 10th back to God. In fact, here's how Malachi frames it. Malachi 3 and 8 says, will a man rob God? He said, yet you've robbed me. And then you ask God, how how did we rob you? He said, because you were holding something that was mine. That's robbery and tithe and offering. And in light of tithing and offering, in light of you doing that, you are under... I didn't write this. This is not my idea or our church's doctrines. This is your Bible. You're under a curse. Matter of fact, it says a whole nation of you. Because you're robbing me. It says you're under a curse for that. Israel is dealing with... In this particular passage, Israel is dealing with the consequences of God's wrath and God's curse simply because they weren't bringing the tithe back to God. Anytime somebody, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you, anytime somebody asks me or comes to me with money problems or says, you know, we're, we're having a money issue, we're having a, one of the first things I ask them honestly is, are you tithing? And it really has nothing to do with, again, not something from you. It's because I, if you're not, you're not allowing God the opportunity to bless you. I don't think that, listen close, let me reframe this for you. I don't think you're robbing God of money. This is not robbing God from money because God doesn't need your money. You're robbing God of the opportunity to bless everything that you have. God says, "I want to bless your life, but I can't." And, and sometimes you know, couples or people come to me and they go, "Man, I can't, we just can't seem to get this together. We can't seem to get our finances together. Everything seems to you know fall, but we just we can't find clarity here. We don't know what's going on. We work more, and it seems like we have less. You know, it feels like we're under. it Literally, feels like I'm under a curse, like everything. And the first thing I say is, "Are you tithing?" Because when you tithe, you give God the opportunity to begin to bless your life. When you withhold your tithe, you rob God at, of the opportunity to bless you. Are you okay with that, everybody? Shout, Amen. That's the first step. Listen, tithing is where our intentional giving begins. It's the first step in being uh, uh, intentional. And let me just tell you, if some of you have not taken a step and you, you've been talking to your wife, you're a single adult, or you've been you know thinking about what are we going to do, let me just encourage you. This is the place I think you should start. I think you should start with tithing. I think you should sit down with your wife, sit down with your husband, sit down with your kids, and go listen. We've never done this before, but we're going to try. We're going to practice. We're, we're just going, we're going to see what happens in this. We're going to, Matter of fact, when, when, when that happens, it's amazing how much blessing comes. How many of you would just be honest and say, when I began to be intentional about giving and tithing, I saw God's blessing in my life more than I have ever in my whole life. Would you raise your hand look around? Here's the reason why. Here's what Malachi says. It says, when you bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, and there's food in my house. He says, this is the only time God ever tells you this in the Bible is when it comes to tithing. The only time in your Bible God uses this phrase is about tithing. He says, test me. Just try it out. I'm asking you, listen, I, this, is what, this is my challenge to you. I'm asking from now to the end of the year that you just test. And, and, and see if God doesn't throw open the floodgates of heaven or the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to contain it or store it. How many of you would like to live in that kind of environment, everybody? I need that. kind I want this part of God's blessing in my life. So I'm just encouraging. If it doesn't work between now and December, listen to me. Look at my eyes. Listen to me very clearly about what I'm telling you. If you'll tithe from now to the end of the year and you don't, you can't see God's blessing in your life, look at my eyes. We'll give you every dollar you've ever given back. That's how much I believe. That if you'll put God first and test me in this, that you'll be able to look back at your life and go, God's blessing everything I got. Like, I didn't even realize where this was coming from. There's more health in my life. My kids are healthier. It's just amazing what happens. It's not just money that comes. Everything just comes. My marriage is better. I got a promotion. I didn't see it. My car hadn't broken down. Everything just It just seems like everywhere I turn, there's blessing in my life that I can't contain it. He said, just test me in that. That's the first step. I think that's where your intentional generosity is. And remember, remember, when you sow sparingly, that's how you're going to reap. But when I sow generously, that's how I'm going to reap. Here's, here's the second area, and i got to hurry, about intentional giving that I think you need to go into. And, th- and this is this is something that the first time you've ever heard that, and that's our legacy offering. Let me sort of tell you today, I love days like this because I get to preach vision to you and kind of tell you what's going on in our church. I love series like that. So we're beginning this year. Actually, our one-year anniversary is September the 24th, everybody. We're celebrating our one-year birthday. It's going to be a dynamic day. So this is our first year. This is our first full year together, and we're going to start something today that will last as long as we're our church, I hope. That's at the end of every year in December, we're going to take what we call our legacy offering. I'm going to give you some opportunities, and it's not going to be need-based. It's not going to be, hey, we really need to do this, or man, we need to pay the light bill, or we need to pay staff, we need to do whatever. I'm just going to give you some opportunities. Some of them are going to be missions based and and, and some of them are going to be about here. But The first 10% of every dollar that you ever give are going to go to missions. So in that one large offering that we take on that one day, we're going, to, we're going to be able to do something absolutely remarkable in missions because we're going to take the first 10% of it and give it away immediately to local, national church planting. We're going to be able to help another church get planted in that season. And it's just going to be an absolutely incredible uh, thing that we're able to be a part of. And so... When, when you give that when you give consistently here, we do that anyway. But if you'll give that one time, you know, that intentional giving that one time then we can do so much bigger there. And then listen, God's given us a big vision for our church, everybody. God's given us huge vision for what God wants to do here. And so we're going to give you opportunity through this legacy offering every year to say, look, here's the opportunity God's given us to grow. And here's the place that God would give us to go. Or maybe, you know, here's our vision for the next step. And here, As a matter of fact, today's the first time nobody knows this. Look at me. You're the first ones. Everybody say, ooh, my wife knows this and two of our team members and nobody else. Not even our dream team knows this. Don't text anybody that comes to second service. But listen, this week, I just signed a contract that on September the 3rd of this year, in just a couple, about six weeks from today, we're moving out of this theater and we're moving to the largest theater they have on this property, to 300 seats in theater number seven right there. And we're going to create more room. Yeah, 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 that's a big deal, everybody. Now look around, listen close, look around. I want you to, matter of fact, Henry, come play. That way they think I'm closing. I'm not, I just like when Henry plays. You you know Kenny G, don't you? Y'all don't know about Henry G. Come on, somebody. Listen. Look around, look at the empty chairs. You're thinking, Pastor, 300 seats? What are we going to do with more seats? Well, a couple of things. Number one, this is pretty full, to be honest with you. In a lot of weeks, it's really full. Second service, it's really full. But I want you to look at these empty seats, and, and when we go to that 300-seat auditorium, you're going to see a few empty seats. You won't see them for long. But every empty seat is a chance for God to fill an empty heart. Let me tell you that again. Every empty seat's a chance for God to fill an empty heart. So we're gonna keep moving. We're gonna keep growing. We're gonna keep going to places. We're, we're gonna look. We're gonna actively look for a building to lease. Let me just tell you, we're actively praying right now. Our team and 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 our, our board of directors, the people who help me make financial decisions for our church, we're looking for for you know ten thousand square feet, a building where we have our own space, where we have we have worship nights outside of Sunday morning. Everybody, I want that. I I want you to have Bible studies and prayer meetings and nights of worship. But our student minister, we had a we had a young adult that it was we announced it one week in advance, we had 25 young adults that, that just one week, I want I want to give you a place to meet and our kids and a place to go that I want to I, we want a place where we have kids ministry, where we can open a leadership factory As a matter of fact, this year, we're going to start this fall, it's going to be small, I don't even know how it's going to all work, but we're going to open a small internship to train world changing leaders, people who are all over the world that come out of City Hills Church that are changing their cities and changing their countries and doing what God's called them to, to, to do, and we'd love to to have a place to do that and growth track space or people discover their purpose we're going to keep looking for land we're going to keep looking for what god would have for us next why all of that is made and we're not going to stop at the first one listen close some of you've never been in the church like this but when we build the first one or when god gives us our first building the next thing we're praying for is what city do you want us to go to next and we're going to put campuses all over San Antonio and all over the Hill Country. And if you live in Boulevard or Kerrville, or I don't know about comfort, come on, everybody. But if you live in Kerr, Cur- if you live in Boulevard or Spring Branch or, or uh, just from here to Leon Springs, we looked at a building the other day inside of 1604, everybody, close to UTSA. Why? Because we're going to keep dreaming about what we could do together. We're going to keep dreaming about leaving a legacy of being intentional with what we have. Not because we need it, but because I'm God, you have blessed me so much. How can I hold this? into myself everybody how can I hold this to myself and I'm not going to listen I'm not going to pressure you between now and December I'm going to preach one more time about it in October and then I'm just going to ask you to pray and whatever God tells you to do is what we're going to do we're going to bring our best offering December the 10th and we're going to change the world y'all. we're going we're gonna to plant churches we're going we're gonna to build orphanages we're going to build campuses and change the world together we're gonna be intentional about it, and I'm, I'm, we're just gonna keep growing and keep reaching more people. And then, and then here's another way I think you can be intentional about about your giving is just these acts of generosity. You, you got these cards, you, you got you got some cards last week, and I hope that you have. We still have more of these, and our, our hosts will hand these out to you. What we we have, I've got more coming into, so we'll have thousands of these. And, Matter of fact, I want you. To, I want you to do this. I want you to do this so much. And if you weren't here last week, it's just simple, simple little card that says something extra to show you God loves you and a little bit of information about our church on the back. I just want. I want you to go to the restaurant and pay for, you know, the table beside you. I want you to leave the biggest tip you've ever left in your whole life, and don't tell her. Don't tell the waitress anything. Just leave a card on the top. Tell them God loves I want you to pay for it. I want want there to be an epidemic. I talked to somebody on the phone the other day that literally said that that something like this, they did this several years ago in their church and that the whole town, I want everybody talking about, have, have you noticed how everybody's buying your drink at Starbucks and they leave these little cards behind? I want you to do it today and every day. I want you to be intentional about being generous. I want you to, when you leave the theater today, I want you to buy somebody's movie ticket, everybody. Come on, I want you to buy somebody's popcorn. That's about twenty-five dollars. I want you to I want you to I want you to be intentional about generosity. I want you to listen, that's intentional giving. Tithings where we start and then our legacy offering but listen it's more than that I want you to live generous lives in light of how rich we are I told you First Timothy says command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share and in this way if you'll live your life generous and willing to share you'll lay up treasures for yourself in heaven and you'll be able to take hold of life that's truly life like this is really living everybody you're not living if you're stingy all the time You're living when you're giving, when I'm being generous. Here's the last way I think you need to be intentional about giving. has zero to do with money. I think you need to be a bringer. I think the best thing you could do in generosity is to introduce somebody to Jesus Christ. I think the most generous thing you could do is in light of God changing my life, I'd love for you to come to church with me, man. I think you could change your life. I was broken like you were. I was addicted like you were. I was messed up. Our marriage was messed up. God God completely changed everything in my life. Matter of fact, we're about to enter a season where you can bring your friends and your family and your coworkers. There's a couple of times a year. Well, I'll tell you. I'll just tell you straight up. This is a great series to bring your friends to church. You know what I'm saying? We're we're doing that this this fall. I'm I'm preaching about how to survive the end of the world in October, everybody. We're talking about end times. Come on. Everybody loves a good boogerman story. Come on. Everybody. Everybody loves that. It's a great time to bring friends. November, we're doing At the Movies. We'll take blockbuster movies, put them on the big screen, and I'll preach a biblical principle based on a blockbuster movie that's in theaters. That's going to be bananas in November. Tons of people are going to get saved in November. Great time to bring your friends and family to church. Listen, this fall, in just a couple of weeks, in August the 27th, our next semester of Connect Groups launches. I want you to pray about leading a Connect Group. I want you to pray about. It. As a matter of fact, you can today. You can go to connections, or you can go online today and register a connect group. Anything can be your group. I, somebody texted me the other day uh, about a shooting group, and then somebody mentioned about camping. I was like, I don't know why you want to sleep outside with other dudes, but do it. There's some other dudes that are down on that. I don't like skeeters. Come on, somebody. And then September. September the 24th is, is our birthday celebration. Going, we're calling it the best Sunday ever. It's going to be absolutely amazing. We've got some banana. It's just going to be absolutely incredible. And all of it starts, listen, I'm telling you how to be a bringer. All of it starts in two weeks with 21 days of prayer. So twice a year, our church gathers together in January and in August. In January, we pray and fast for 21 days. In August, we have 21 days of prayer. It starts August the 6th, goes to the 26th we're going to have special times of prayer meetings and our teams putting together a chance for you for 21 days you can follow along on Facebook live we'll give you video devotionals on Facebook live you'll have you'll have a Spotify uh, worship list where you can you can worship everybody's worshiping through the same songs when you pray and you pray together we'll be leading special prayer meetings where i'm preaching this series is going to be absolutely life changing in august all of it starts with prayer All of it starts with we believe that God has called us to make a difference everybody. And if you're used to a church that's kind of good with what we got and where we are, this may not be the church for you. Because we think God's called us to make a big difference in the world. I think God's called you to make a big difference in the world. I think it starts with you being generous. Take somebody by the hand, stand up all over the room. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do with your head bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you what I asked you to do last week, and that is ask God, what are you saying to me? Just ask God what he's saying to you. Again, we don't have any high pressure tactics here. I'm not going to try to make you do anything. I'm just going to ask you to ask God. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this room and I open my heart to whatever it is you want to say to me. God, if there's people in the room right now who need to sort of begin that journey of intentional giving through tithing, I pray that this would be the the day that something just sort of clicks, you know, that the light bulb goes off and that they decide, I'm going to give, I'm going to give intentionally. I'm going to put God first. It belongs to God anyway. It's holy to God. I'm going to give it back to God. I pray for people who are deciding right now you some of them have the gift of giving the spiritual gift of giving and you when 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 we talked about our legacy offering there's something that sparked in their heart that said man I'd love to I'd love to leverage the excess that I have what God's given me to further the kingdom of God I have more than I need so that I can be a blessing I'd love to leverage what I have to steward what I have so that I can make a big impact and make a difference in the world Father I pray for people that You're speaking to them about being a bringer. God, there are are soul winners in this room that could fill this room and more like it with neighbors and coworkers and friends and family that just need God, that desperately need the life and the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. God, they're tired of religion. They're tired of ritual. They just need something real. Whatever you're speaking to us right now, come on I want you to say that everybody in the room I want you to tell God however you want to tell Him God whatever you're saying to me my answer is yes if you've never said yes to Jesus at all if you've never given your whole heart to God you got to start somewhere today would be a great day to start just pray a prayer that sounds like this if you've never said this just say Jesus I need you today I give you my whole heart I repent of all of my sins I, I turn everything in my past over to you Jesus, I believe because of the cross you paid. So I didn't have to pay for those. So I accept what you did on the cross. And I pray that you'd forgive me and wash me and cleanse me. Make me brand new from the inside out. God, I want to make you the Lord of my life today. I give you my whole life. I surrender my whole heart to you. I got to start today. I need a fresh start. I give you all that today. Whatever you'd speak to us, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody shout a big amen. Come on, shout a better amen than that, everybody. Come on, let's give God praise all over the house.